Hey everybody, welcome to episode 5 of Metallicast, the Metallica podcast. I am your host and fellow Metallica fan, my name is Brandon. I keep wanting to call this episode 6 because technically this is the 6th episode I've recorded, but it is the 5th full length. Last episode I did my first ever Metallicast mini, so you can expect surprise Metallicast mini episodes coming your way here or there. So I'm basically guaranteeing one full length a month and a Metallicast mini when I can. Even though Mrs. Metallicast this past week said, you know what? Your show is good and you need to do more frequent episodes. Truth be told, I think she just wants me to be busy in the basement so she can watch her shows and stuff. But you know what? Maybe she's right. Maybe I should be doing more frequent episodes. For example... This episode is actually ahead of schedule. It is coming out before April 1st. So, that means you have gotten three Metallica's episodes in the month of March. And I have a couple things planned for April as well. So, I'm guaranteeing one full-length episode a month. But hopefully, I'll be doing more to give you, my listeners, more content. Now, I made a half joke recently on Twitter about how I feel like I am the 1982 version of Metallica when it comes to Metallica podcasts. If you listen to the other ones, very professionally done. You know, you can tell they have a strong following. A little bit more backing to them, perhaps. Perhaps they have people editing their own shows or helping them produce I am the 1982 Metallica. I am DIY in my basement, doing it myself. That is no knock to the other podcasts. They're great shows. Extra special shout out to Metal Up Your Podcast, who gave me a shout out on their show and gave me a little bump. But, you know, I'm in my infancy. I'm the young guy on the block. And I'm starting out with just more doing my thing. And the reason I mention this is because. I tweeted that out, that I'm like the 1982 Metallica Metallica podcast. And one of my faithful listeners, Elizabeth, shout out to you. I'm sure that you are listening to this. Um, She said, you should bring back the Metal Militia. And I was unsure if she was kidding or serious, but I said, you know what? I should. So if you've been following me on social media... You already know about the Metallicast Militia. Anybody who subscribes to Metallicast, anybody who downloads Metallicast, anybody who streams every single episode of Metallicast, anybody who follows me on social media and interacts with me and supports the show through a retweet or through a like or by telling a friend, you are all part of the Metallicast Militia. And my vision for Metallicast as a show is I want it to become more fan interactive. I want it to be, you know, I'm doing this show by myself. My voice, and yes, I'm going to have guests here or there, but I do not want my voice to be the only one. So I want you, the listeners, to help me make this a more interactive show. 
So I've branched out on social media. I've been on Twitter for a while, at MetallicSPod. I'm now also on Instagram, same handle, at MetallicSPod. And I'm also now on Facebook. You can go on there, search for MetallicSPod. I should show up. And if you send me a friend request, I'll be sure to add you to the Metallicast Militia public group, which is slowly becoming sort of an online forum for people to post anything and everything about Metallica or just metal and hard rock in general. Um, I've had some good interactions and I'd love to get more people on board so we can get that off the ground. And you can also email me now if you have any cool Metallica stories, if you have any questions for me, you can email me at metallicast at fansnotexperts.com. I would love to get some emails uh, so I can read them on the air, maybe do a full email episode um, down the road. But that is my plug. Please help spread the word. I saw today that Metal Up Your, pa- uh, Metal Up Your Podcast reached 200,000 downloads. Congratulations to those guys. And no disrespect to those guys, but I am after world domination. If they have 200,000 downloads, I need at least 200,001 downloads. And again, no disrespect to those guys. Great podcast, great guys. They've supported this show by giving me a shout out. I'm not saying this is a threat. I'm saying this very tongue in cheek, but also a little bit serious. I do not want listeners. I want an army. Join or be conquered. The law of the land. Metallicast militia. Now, with all that said, thank you for tuning in to episode five. If you did not listen to episode four, you might want to go back and check it out. That was part one of my conversation with Mike from Maiden Fan Podcast, where we start our discussion about Metallica and Iron Maiden. And this is part two of our discussion. So you'll still enjoy part two without enjoying part one, but it is a direct continuation of our conversation. So it might make more sense for you to go back, check out episode four if you've not not done so already, and then come back here and do episode five. So without further ado, here is Mike from Main and Fan Podcast and I debating. We're diving right into the debate this time. We are debating about which band is better, Metallica or Iron Maiden. We were talking a long time. So anyway, after the 2012 show, no. <laughs> we were talking a long time. It's been great. But I don't know if we've I don't know if we've actually had a uh, d- debate though. No, we got it. No, I'm saying I'm not wrapping up. I'm saying let's transition no, now right. into the debate. Um well, so here's I I want to say one thing sure. in um, you know, you talked about you saw jabs at each other, but we have not gone into right. a full push. And you saw Metallica at Giant Stadium. MetLife, as uh, the millennials Met call Stadium. it. Yes, you've seen them. You saw the Big Four at what was that? Was that that was at Yankee Field? Stadium? Yeah. So that's the one thing that you that Maiden, as far as I'm concerned, couldn't do in the states is a tour like that. Right. They're a fifteen thousand seat. You know they could. I'm sure they could bang out the TD Garden. But whenever we see them now, it's always um, at Great Woods, which is what thirteen, fourteen thousand. I would say roughly. So let's. All right. And we, uh, I'm going to stop you. And for it a was moment. packed, packed. So I'm going to say that. But they're not. 
you know, it is what it is. I'm going to stop you for a moment because I feel like that's a good way to transition into this. So, the, but let me first explain. So the way I, the nerd in me figured out we could organize this debate, which has been so well organized for the oh, yeah. two so hours the, we've been talking. We're getting to the start. Yeah. Should we start recording this now? Is, this is going to be a, maybe a four hour episode. I mean, literally I could talk about this all night though. So I'm having fun. Um, and I've never had fun with you. <laughs> Likewise. <laughs> I might open an Iron Maiden beer. Ooh, a trooper. I have one in the fridge. It is. I have a can of trooper. That is uh, I will say this. That is one. Um, it, I, I will give Iron Maiden and Dave Mustaine one point over Metallica because Metallica does not have their own beer yet. But is that a point though? It's one of those things <laughs> no, where it's like it's not. <laughs> it de- well, you get to the kiss. Yeah, uh, yeah, but uh, Kiss has their own brand of fruit juice, though. No, they don't. I see. I was going to ask you, do they? Because I would believe if you told me Kiss had their own brand of anything, I would believe it. They have sun sun kiss orange <laughs> juice. <laughs> All right. So the way the nerd and me kind of broke this down was. Uh, I figured there's four categories we can focus on. Uh, those four categories being songwriting, musicianship, influence, and then popularity. So we're gonna officially start the debate, and I and I, so I need to erase all this <laughs> that I had on on, on flying a plane. So uh, quality of jet of jet flight. <laughs> Oh no! Is man? What is it? Air hours, man hours, you know, <laughs> cockpit hours. Damn it! So I feel like you bringing up the stadium tour is a good way to segue into our first category: popularity. Oh please! Oh please! What? All right. No, no. You, I, I, I will not even debate that Metallica is more popular. So should we just end this here? Like, I feel like it's not debate, giving me material that says Metallica no. is the superior band. Look, who's more who's more popular, Metallica or Bon Jovi? Metallica. You think so? Okay. I'm looking up right now how many albums Bon Jovi has sold in their career. So, you really think that Bon Jovi is more popular than Metallica? Um, I mean, I guess when you think about like the fact that again Metallica could do a stadium, right? Um, and Bon Jovi can't do that anymore. Bon I think. Jovi, I think, still could um, actually. So okay, well there you go. Well, then, I, yeah, I I think of I. I don't, it's a tough thing to say. More popular. I mean, I mean, if, Metallica is probably still more relevant, but definitely more relevant as far as like, I think. But if you, all right, so did a little bit of research. So Bon Jovi has sold an impressive number of albums. You want to guess how many albums they've sold worldwide over the course of their career? Is two fifty too high? That's too high. Two hundred. Too high. One fifty. Too high. Really? Yeah. One twenty-five. Closer. 
130. They've sold about 100 million records worldwide. Now, this is wow. Okay, this is just based off a quick Google search. I'm sure somebody out there is going to correct me and right, you know, some Bon Jovi nerd out there that is also a Metallica nerd or whatever. <laughs> but Metallica has sold more than 125 million albums worldwide. Okay, but we break that number apart. So the Black Album is one of the best selling albums, period. It is the best-selling album since Billboard started tracking uh, albums the way they do in 1991. Okay, which was when they came out. Right. Interesting. And that album is still... So I still check out occasionally like um, metal tracks or like rock tracks or whatever, like the, as far as like the charts go to see like what's selling. And if you look at albums or songs the black album is still always in the top five you will have like three crappy modern rock bands and then like the black album um bon jovi i did a little bit of research like i said apparently bon jovi had an album come out in 2016 called this house is not for sale debuted at number one right so Pretty yep. pretty decent. Um, debuted at number one, selling 129,000 albums. So that same year, 2016, Metallica released Hardwired to Self-Destruct. Also debuted at number one, selling 291,000 albums in its first week. So almost double what they sold. And, okay. okay. You know, I the point being that Metallica is the most popular, not... They are the most popular metal band of all time, but they are the most popular rock band, I would say, even to this day in 2018. Now, l- ladies and gentlemen, just to pull the curtain back a bit, I brought up Bon Jovi, and then I had to <laughs> go away for five minutes. <laughs> I go away for five he went away for five minutes, and he gave me way so think- much time to go on Google and Wikipedia. <laughs> yeah, do not think that Brandon whip pulled this out of his ass or just happened to be researching bon jovi today not at all i left and he went to, he, he went for the jugular he went he came at me with statistics so interesting so, but would you say at one point in time bon jovi was um like hugely popular i still think bon jovi is hugely popular but i think okay. the difference where they get played on mtv constantly totally totally but and they get played on the radio constantly totally. But I think the difference Great. is and, the no. difference is they are still writing they're they're still immensely popular. Obviously, like mm-hmm. their albums still selling well. Like their new mm-hmm. albums are still selling well. But I think for the most part, they are writing on a wave of nostalgia. They're just that popular that they can still sell out arenas, maybe even stadiums. Whereas Metallica is writing on uh, nostalgia to a certain extent, but still relevant. Like they still have songs playing on modern rock radio where modern rock radio still is a thing, still exists. They, they you do. know, have songs playing on that dominate uh, liquid metal and octane on Sirius. Yeah. They are still on like the, they're going to be in all the late night talk shows performing. They're going, you know, like they, yeah, they, they are. are just the only other rock band today 
that is even remotely relevant, I think, in this, that, in my opinion, is the Foo Fighters. That's funny. I, was, I, I had a feeling you were going to say that. Um, so as you fall more and more into my trap, um, so Bon Jovi, you were saying, is, uh, was at one point hugely popular and uh, constantly on the radio for years. To this point, they're still on the radio and on MTV constantly. Metallica uh, had a moment. I know where you're going with this, by the way. No, you can... I'll yeah, let you um, it's hugely popular, Metallica, right? But I know where you're um, then, and And again, they got played on the radio. They still get played on rock radio, as you say. And they're on all the late night talk shows. It's, I mean, they're very, very popular. And Bon Jovi sold, what, 100 million albums? And Metallica's, I think, I, I, I thought, I saw something where they passed 130, they're closer to 150 or whatever. That's with all that. That's, that's, that's really great. Um, so again, when you first heard Iron Maiden on the radio, <laughs> uh, what was the song? Do you remember? Yeah, I do. Or outside of Headbangers Ball, <laughs> shut your face. Outside of Headbangers Ball. When Listen, you first heard, saw I've Iron heard Maiden. Like, Iron on, Maiden on FM Rock Radio at like two in the morning, okay? <laughs> yeah, on Sunday nights. I, but, like two minutes to midnight. But uh, you, you bring up a very valid point. You do. But... Metallica became popular the same way. Uh, they were already selling millions of albums, thousands of albums, before they had a video on MTV. You know, That's like true. they, they like true. both they came to prominence, like uh, by word of mouth and by tape trading and just by through like touring and having people go out to the shows. Yeah, and Iron Maiden definitely made a lot of videos. They just were <laughs> never played on. Well, MTV. in fairness. Most of them um, should never see the light of day. <laughs> no, some of them are. No, they've never been. I mean, they are definitely six old men. Um, but they were old men then. Like, they didn't know what the hell they were doing. Just watch right. the Run to the Hills video or the Number of the Beast video. Uh, two Minutes to Midnight video is pretty great. Um, but I guess my thinking is, is that Iron Maiden in the States cannot do a stadium tour. Iron Maiden... Um, yes, I've heard them play on the, be played on the radio twice, I think in 30 years. Um, and, uh, you know, I have seen them on MTV, but they never reached that pop. I don't want to say pop as in pop music, but popular as in they were, uh, this like big thing talked about popular. They never reached that. Um, and yet they've sold well over a hundred million albums. Now they have more albums to sell. There's the 16 Not of them, including but, uh, the 16 best of albums, 45 live, live albums. albums. <laughs> yeah, right. But for a band that has no, like, you, I mean, yes, all metal is like that. Like, you know, Slayer, they, you don't, they're the same kind of thing. You don't True. see anything like that. You know, as far as how how are these bands being? discovered they're being discovered by people sharing tapes and and people buying the cds and people right. going to the concerts um and that's that's the type of band metallic i mean iron maiden was that's the type of band they still are you you don't you nowadays obviously people can just go on youtube and discover these bands but you're not you're not hearing them and going you know and i guess to the for the for the you know 
with Metallica, it's not like you're going to be a kid now and just stumble upon sure. Metallica unless but, you unless you flipping through but this like, that, you know satellite but that radio. Says more about Metallica, I think, because they you know all this happens naturally and organically, like you said, through tape trading, word of mouth, having positive reactions to live shows, having people show up to the live shows. All of it happened naturally the same way it happened for Iron Maiden, but they were able to take it to another level. They were able to, they you were. know, dominate MTV. I'm not, I notice I say the word dominate, not played on MTV, not played on radio, like dominate those areas in an era in, in an area where mm-hmm. metal just did not exist before then. And a lot of metal did not Are exist. Are you familiar after. with Barry Bond, the baseball player? Are you familiar with Barry Bonds? I'm aware he's of Barry a, Bonds. A, uh, baseball I'm player aware of uh, baseball, baseball, Major League Baseball. baseball. <laughs> you know, he had, he had a year where he was on the Pirates where that he was like an awesome player and he was already, um, you know, Hall of Fame talent. Then at some point, he got really big and really popular and they, you know, people accused him of, I don't want to say selling out. What do I want to say? I want to say roiding up. Um, and then he became, he wanted everything. He wanted the glitz and the glamour and the, all the stars and all the records. And he got all those things. But at the same time, obviously something changed. Um, what I'm going to tell you right now is Metallica was that underground metal band. They were, even when they put on an album, the album was like gritty and weird and frightening. Um, and then um, a guy whose last name is Rock shows up and says, hey guys, let's make a pop album with guitars. And that's when the Black Album came out. <laughs> you Fuck sound you. jealous now. You just sound jealous. I love the Black Album. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> it's everybody. The, the thing's still selling 3,000 copies a week in 2018. Right, so you want to talk about living – they're, they're a nostalgia act. <laughs> so funny. This is this is true. This is a funny story because uh, when Hardwired Self-Destruct came out, the I remember seeing – I think it was on iTunes, like the top – two metal records that week. Number one was Hardwired and number two was the Black Album. <laughs> okay, so... Um, so, I feel like this might be a good place to segue into another category that sort of ties yeah. in with popularity, and that is... But I was just... Okay. I was really quickly, I was going to say... Make a point. Said, um, Finally make you, a point. <laughs> you said... Um, how many hardwired sold how much in their first? In their um, first week, it was about 290,000. Yeah. Yeah. So the, you, you can't, you, Iron May will never compete with that. So a, as of January of 2016, um, and it came out in you know 2015, it came out over the summer. So uh, they, they sold 148,000 copies in the US. And again, that's like, I still think of Iron Maiden as the, they're not the band. They're not the band that people know. But I also want to tell people they're not the band you think they are. They're a lot more accessible than you think. They might be more accessible than I don't want to say more accessible than Metallica, but they because some who wants an eighteen minute song about a about a a, an air, <laughs> a, a, a blimp with with um, who wants it? I do. I want it. But on but, the flip side, though, you have you know Metallica recording a twenty minute weird ass ballad with Lou Reed. So <laughs> that's true. 
at the end of this, we less accessible then. At the end of this, we're going to hate both bands. <laughs> You're just like, you know what? We both really like Megadeth more. <laughs> what have we done? So let's segue. I mean, the next category I think ties in. It, it could tie in a little bit with popularity, but uh, depending on like the. Uh, you know, where you take and what road you go down. But the next category is influence. So we agree that Metallica wins popularity. (laughs) Now Uh, let's move on to influence. (laughs) uh, Categories are going to get tougher, I think. Influence is a toughie because obviously there would be no Metallica without Iron Maiden. (laughs) No, that can't be true. No, um, but you could make an argument. So I'm, I know I'm like going against myself here, but Iron Maiden, huge influence on Metallica. There was, you know, if I had to make a list of 10 bands that were a big, like 10 metal bands that were a big influence on Metallica, especially in the early days, Iron Maiden would definitely be in those 10 bands. Yeah, but then they they always they'll be like, "Oh, Merciful Fate," or they'll they'll do these bands that I don't even know. Well, yeah, they name they always name these bands. Well, they have they have a lot of obscure tastes. Like uh, the only reason anybody ever knows Diamond Head is because Metallica's covered numerous Diamond Head songs and talked about them in numerous interviews. Diamond Head, yeah. Um, You know, obviously, Motorhead would be at the top of the list. Sabbath is an influence for anybody and everybody. Um, But you know, Maiden is up there. They, Metallica covered a Maiden song in the early 2000s. So it was not long after uh, Saint Anger. They did uh, "Remember Tomorrow." It's on Hardwired. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was on the bonus disc. Yeah. Well, that's the one I bought. Well, yeah, because you had to give them more money as the superior band, so you went and bought the the deluxe edition as the smart yeah, fans well, do. Uh, you know. I took my do- my brother's dogs out for a couple of shits and gave me a gift card. <laughs> to be one hundred percent honest, <laughs> so influence. This is a tough one, right? It is a tough one because I feel like you could tackle this from um, different perspectives too. Like if you like, let's say let's focus for just influence. This is not going to make it easier, by the way. It might make it more difficult. But let's focus just on influence in metal and hard rock. It's, I mean, there's – because think about – I think of any band out there. And these this is like a real niche, niche, niche. genre yeah. of metal. But any band that is considered a power band, power metal, right? to me, has – Obviously, some influence of Iron Maiden, if if not in the vocals alone. Sure, totally. And the gallop. Yep. We'll get to that. Um, but but any band that wants to be considered a thrash kind of band, obviously, you can't help but say, you know, Metallica, because it wasn't a thing. True, but also you got to say too. Uh, you can make an argument. I like that we're now arguing the other person's. Point of view. Know, right? We don't want to be completely. <laughs> but uh, but you could make an argument too that thrash metal, you know, would not exist without the new wave of British heavy metal, which featured bands like Iron Maiden that were kind of already playing more up tempo stuff. It was not the same as thrash. That's true. But they were already kind of in. You know, if you listen to Sabbath, dun, 
it's just a mostly slow mid-tempo stuff and those british bands priest maiden mortarhead they were already kind of pushing the tempo a little bit i think what metallica did was they took what they were already doing they added more of a punk rock feel to it and they completely americanized it and made it more street so to speak you know um made it like they wrote lyrics that were easier to wrap your head around um that were more grounded in reality so to speak you know uh of course this is the band that also wrote phantom board it's so uh but you know i think um without maiden and those yeah but did they write phantom of the opera they did not but no i got news for you Iron Maiden also did not write the original Phantom of the Opera. <laughs> no, I know. No, I know. That's the one that was based on. But um, so I think you can make the argument that Iron Maiden, those series of bands, were a huge influence on Metallica and thrash metal, and an influence on, like you said, power metal, and an influence on other metal bands that followed. But I think Metallica. Just push it a little bit farther, at least in America. I think Metallica, based on the last 20 years, I would say Metallica influenced a lot more bands. I'm not going to argue, um, but th- but there's a ton of bands that, I mean, obviously there are a ton of bands that Maiden um, influence as well, but... It's weird, like anything, any any band that I feel like also has a singer who tries to sing, you know, like, but again, that's power metal and people yeah. are like, what? It's weird because it's two different, it's it's funny because to the outside world, it's heavy metal. To us, it's like, no, no, it's very different. These two bands, they are very kind of a different totally. type of band. You can say um, you listen to metal and, and that's going to mean 10 different things to 10 different people. Yeah, and it's like also one band's American, and look at this American thrash, and then one band is English, and look at all these, like, and they're very, you know, they're much bigger in Europe than they are in the States, and look at all these bands that are around, you know, look, I don't want to say, but anything that's power, I don't want to bring up Dragon Force, like that's even a good thing, and that's Canadian, so that doesn't count, but. And believe me, I enjoy it, but I know it's not good. You can um, say that about a lot of the bands. But anything to. that's power metal, anything, <laughs> right? Anything that has kind of a symphonic sound to it, anything that has again a little, a little more theatrics, I guess you could say. But all of that goes back to, you know, Maiden and Priest, right. but mostly Maiden. Yeah, I'd say it's hard. I, I mean. It's hard to say one over the other, but it, 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 again, it's where you look in the category. So, I mean, all the American bands, I don't want to say new metal, but obviously they kind of got that sound from Metallica and maybe they <laughs> rapped over it. That's their fault. But, um, you know, they, they weren't doing, you know, two guitar sure. harmonics. Sure. And I think, whatever. I think two. So let's branch out a little bit from just the metal hard rock world. I do feel like Metallica's influence has sort of spread more out to other genres of music. um, More so than Mm. 
Maiden. I think a lot of that has to do with just the popularity of the Black album, to be honest with you. Like, how many different versions of Nothing Else Matters have you heard? You know? Right. Maiden Maiden does one thing. That's what they do. They, they, They have a couple albums where they were they, you know, the first albums had some punk feel to it, um, and the later albums have a more, you know, uh, symphony kind of epic sound. There's a lot more of those songs, but they're these big songs, and there's no, there's no real in between with them, you know, where Metallica can pull sure. out an acoustic guitar and get away with it, and they can. You know, they can do a, I don't want to say, they can do a ballad. They can do, they can do, a, you know, a ballad two with T-O-O right. and so the third one. I think that's actually, I think you're setting me up for a yeah, good segue me. again. So we can agree popularity goes to Metallica, influence goes to Metallica. You're really the perfect guest to have for this Made in Metallica debate on Metallica. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you want to talk about... If you want to talk about, you know, suing your fans, if you want to talk oh, about... Dude, this guy is so old, he's about, still dwelling on Napster. Mm, oh, my God. Uh, yeah, well, hey, I mean, I just don't remember that ever happening. You're right. With, I, you're right. Uh, Iron Maiden Iron never Man had the balls the to stand they, up and believe, uh, stand up to protect what they believe in so strongly as to uh, stand up against their own fan base and risk alienating fans. And guess what? They, oh, they did not alienate anybody. Because <laughs> guess who's still selling out stadiums and having number one albums? <laughs> yeah, well, I stopped going to see them in concert after that. Um, if you look, Iron Maiden's fighting concert counterfeit. Standing up, up to the man, money. right? So rock and roll. So that's right. How many? How many rib? Restaurants. Does I Lyle believe Zellica you're have? just feeding Zero? Okay, just more to my side. <laughs> I will say this though. No, it's fine. Ribs, generally speaking, I'm not sure about rock and roll ribs, but ribs are delicious. So, um, but you were talking mm. about before mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. Uh, you were kind of going more into like the music aspect of it, which ties into like my last two categories. So let's focus for a moment. On songwriting, I mean, <laughs> sorry, buddy. I mean, it, since we're, sorry. I mean, I guess this is a little bit silly for us to debate songwriting since we obviously like our respective band songs the best, right? That's why they're our all-time <laughs> favorite band. <laughs> yeah. But you said it yourself, though. Iron Maiden writes one song. Iron Maiden, Iron Maiden paints pictures, my friend. Iron Maiden tells. It's a, it's a good song. They've written one song. Well, no, it's not they write one song. It's that they. They have a style. I mean, you, you even you listen to enough Iron Maiden, you'll you'll hear the there's like three chords that they that they transition to a lot, and a lot of it has the gallop where it's not double bass drums. They don't rely on that pff, parlor trick. Nico McBrain has Nico McBrain has one bass drum, and that's all he needs. Yeah, because he he recently said because he's too lazy to play double bass. <laughs> That's literally a uh, like a headline I saw in like Blabbermouth like last week. That's <laughs> ah, him now. He's also sixty five. He's not seventy. They're not too um, much older than Metallica, but he's so, uh, Metallica's like in their mid late fifties now. So that's the crazy thing. 
Crazy. February 10th would have been Cliff Burton's 56th birthday. Like Bruce is Bruce is 59. He's the young He's the young one. Yeah. I think he's like the I think he was like the older one of the group, if I'm recalling. But like I think Hetfield's, I mean, by like a year or two, you know. So like that's that's frightening. And it's funny that I think of um and I think of Rob Trujillo as the young one. He's like basically the same age. You forget he's been around forever too. Yeah, he's, you know, he, he's like 51, 52, you know? <laughs> uh, I mean, it's tough to... Songwriting, look, I'm a, I'm into the hook. I'm into the hook, and you can't... So you love... Give me... You love the Black Album, because you love hooks. That's album filled with hooks. That album is so filled with hooks that it is the best-selling... It's not. One of the best selling albums of all time. Hook. Look, you can't have a bigger hook than Run to the Hills. Can I play with Madness is, is a better hook than anything on the Black Album. Oh my God. I mean, there is, look, ex, Enter Light, Exit Light, whatever the fuck it is, <laughs> it's great. But, um, and it's sad but true. I mean, I'm talking, see, I think of when I think of a hook, I think of like a catchy sing along. I mean, those are. I, those are more like smash your face into a wall hook, which I love also. But people do not sing along to look, the chorus. Of I'm going to tell you right now, please. When you see a Metallica concert, all right, you are constant. People are are moshing, correct? Sometimes people are banging their heads. Sometimes I mean it's a very older audience now. <laughs> right. What I'm trying to We're say basing is, it off 1994 Metallica. I know, right? 2018 like, Metallica. <laughs> Iron Maiden. There's never been a mosh pit there because it's they're not they're not thra- they're not thrash fast aggressive. There's there's like I can give you some songs where they really pick up the pace, but um, they're more of a heavy sounding song. With a big chorus that you can sing along to, you know, what, uh, and that is what grabs, gravitates me to them. You know, you know why What's you that? can sing along to an Iron Maiden chorus because the chorus is just the song title repeated four times. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, you uh, can sing along to an Iron Maiden song without ever having heard the song before. <laughs> wrong. Uh, look, Iron Maiden could write a song about the death of Robin Williams. They did. <laughs> they could write a song about, uh, you know, World War I. Oh, they mm-hmm. did it. Uh, you could also write a song about uh, f- flying uh, and climbing like a monkey. <laughs> and a fucking monkey, monkey helmet, monkey mask. They did it. And then, of course, an 18-minute epic about, uh, you know, a friggin' I don't know. It's their longest song ever. The first song with piano, and it's about like the crash of a yeah. Airbus. It's a very spinal tap song, like a, like a blimp in the nineteen. Oh. Yeah, but <laughs> you but agree? It's, but Iron Maiden is a chorus. like a really well no. done spinal tap. <laughs> spinal tap is poking fun at them, obviously. Um, and this is coming from a band I saw who wrote the, the black the, giant, album cover from a spinal tap. <laughs> who dresses up? Who dresses up as the uh, as the Lady Justice and comes out on the stage every concert? Right, because they do not need it because their music speaks for itself. You think Iron Maiden needs it? It's almost like they they know they're putting on a you show. You know, they they needed they, to cover up their inferior songwriting um, to Metallica. Oh my 
Oh, because you want to talk about diversity. You're talking, oh, Iron Man can do this. Iron Man can do that. Well, (laughs) Metallica can write, uh, you know, 200 beats per minute thrash metal song. And then they can write an arena rock song like Inter Salmon that just like rock stadiums around the world during sports games. And then they Mm. can write uh, Mama Said, which is a country western ballad. And then they can do a 20-minute avant-garde Lou Reed song. Uh, then they can do a full-fledged concert with a, a symphony orchestra. So I'm so glad it's breaking up because no one gives a shit. <laughs> and they can do a, an album with no solos and a tin can sounding drum. Okay, so fuck yourself, <laughs> buddy. Let me tell you something. Iron Maiden did an album uh, where they wrote a tank on stage. Okay. Iron Maiden did an album where uh, a giant Eddie came on stage holding a fetus. <laughs> but I, I all your but all your songwriting want. facts are about their live performance. That's right. They're not a studio <laughs> band like your <laughs> but band. You're, you're calling out one of the greatest live bands of all time right now. Uh no, you're the one calling out the, the greatest live band of all. Oh. I like that you're one of them. You know why? Because they look up <laughs> and they say, who's that British band that we're doing a cover on? How many Metallica covers do you know that, that Maiden has done? You know what? Time for the next category. <laughs> Can I just say, like, dude, I like love that I'm arguing about this because honestly, if I had to choose the two best live metal bands I've ever seen. Metallica and Iron Maiden would probably be the top two. So that's right. Did you um did you see Flight 666? I've seen bits and pieces. I've not seen the whole thing. Right. Did you know Lars was in it? I'm sure that he was. Yeah, he went to go see uh Iron Maiden. Yeah, did you see they I went don't to remember see, Iron uh, Maiden being in Do you see they went to see Iron Maiden this last tour also? Um and all the photos that were them of uh, rocking out with ghosts beforehand. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. That's fine because obviously the the main band was on stage. Did you see? I don't remember Iron Maiden being in their three D movie with that guy running around the city, and I don't remember Iron Maiden being in the therapy sessions when Dave Mustaine was crying to Bob Rock. <laughs> I didn't see it, so I'm just assuming that's what happened. Um, see. That's a listen. Some kind of monster is a whole other episode for a whole other time. Uh, and, and actually, I want to just spend a whole episode dissecting that Dave Mustaine scene that you're talking about, and a, and a whole episode just dissecting Dave Mustaine as a human being. <laughs> but besides, I just say with those movies that Metallica cries, Iron Maiden flies. <sighs> I, you, He's a pilot. You, <laughs> we, <laughs> He's a business owner. He gives he gives speeches about uh, businesses. Okay, mm-hmm. you know what James did? James says, oh, "I'm going to get another tattoo on my neck." <laughs> oh, my dad was so religious. <laughs> blah blah blah. Moving on, this is our last category. So we agree Metallica wins popularity. We agree Metallica wins influence, and I think <laughs> we agreed Metallica won songwriting. Since anything, Look, since all that you mentioned that Metallica, is about live yes. performances. So, no, I agree that Metallica obviously is more pop. You're right. <laughs> You're taking my words and twisting them now. Mr. Who just said, I'm taking your words Mr. and Word, them. Mr. Who just said, Iron Man is probably more accessible, and we do not have those scary little mosh pits <laughs> or that scary head banging. Right. 
Nope. Nope. Look, man, when I could put on a song that I have heard a million times and still get a chill, uh, that doesn't happen with Metallica. For you. It just doesn't happen with me. Like I for like if you play Correct. Master Puppets right dummy. now, I've heard that song a million times. <laughs> The, when it gets to that interlude in the middle, when it gets to that whole middle section, hair stands on my arms every single time. So I was saying that you like Maiden's that band for you, but Metallica is always that band for me. So like I've heard Master Puppets a million and one times, but every time we it gets to like that middle interlude, you know, like the master, master, yeah, like I I the hair stands up on my arm, like I I get chills every time I hear it. But that's my all time favorite band playing probably my all time favorite song off probably my all-time favorite album. So, you know, I'm right, you're wrong. So the last category. <laughs> the best part of this whole thing is we have, we're trying to come up with ways to shit on the right. <laughs> And we're struggling. But the last category, yeah. I think, is um, perhaps the toughest to argue, musicianship. Look, musicianship. Um, I always grew up, and I don't know where this came from, but I always grew up thinking that Lars Ulrich was an awesome drummer. Where is this world, where is this kind of like subculture of people who think that Lars sucks at drumming? So I think honestly a lot of it stems from the Napster thing where he put himself in a negative light in front of uh, a world filled of angry, petty people. And I think Petty what? people. <laughs> oh. oh, okay. I misunderstood. And uh, so I think because of that, he's never fully recovered, and people started attacking uh, his drumming. Now, Lars Arik will be the first person to tell you he's not a great drummer. He'll be the first one to tell you he's not the best technical drummer. There, if you look at like a Vinnie Paul, just I'm just focusing on metal drummers right now, like Vinnie Paul, Dave Lombardo. Technically, from a technical standpoint, they can drum circles around Lars Ulrich. But if either of those people or anybody else played drums in Metallica, it would not sound like Metallica. Lars's drum sound is so unique and such a signature part of that sound. Plus the amount that he's done on the business end, the amount that he's done on like the song arrangement end, that band would not exist without Lars Ulrich. So it it baffles my mind whenever people want to shit on him. But he does have a lot of haters. He's not the world's greatest drummer from a technical standpoint, but he's got a great feel, and his drum sound is so signature, such a signature part of their signature sound. You know what it is? is Metallica, at least for me, was the first band that I heard the double bass with. That's such a metal sound that with that type of music, thrash, you're gonna you're gonna have people staring at the drummer more. I mean, I I was like listening to Anthrax. I'm like, damn, some of that's like the, even the last yeah. album is awesome. Um, 
with Maiden, uh, I think Nico, it's, it's Nico, not Nico. I learned that. Um, to me, I love the fact, I love the fact that he doesn't play a double bass for something, for some reason, there was an old video. He's like, oh, someone said, oh yeah, Nico doesn't play the double bass. He thinks that's undrummy, undrummy, <laughs> whatever British that slang. That's always stuck <laughs> with me. Because if, <laughs> right, if you listen to like the beginning of Where Eagles, Where Eagles Dare, there's an awesome like drum to start drum intro to start that no double bass. They've never been that kind of band. They're the band that you think I think of a horse's gallop of did it did it did it did it where he he does what he needs to do. Oh my dog! <laughs> he does what he needs to do um, as far as you know filling and adding to the music and but i and i think he's an awesome drummer and he hides behind this a giant drum set um so he's, <laughs> he's, not a song, he's not a he's he's not he's not the songwriter that lars is he's not the producer that lars is i think he's written one song on one mm. album he and he actually might have written a song on virtual 11 and my dog needs to go out so i'll be back in <laughs> it'll give me time to google so, some stuff <laughs> We were talking about drumming, and uh, it's just two different style of drumming. I mean, no, it is. You know that there's the double bass drum, and then Nico is more the regular kind of rock drum. You know, he. Yeah, I feel like I feel like uh, you know McBrain is like more of uh, I like calling him McBrain. Um, he's more of a old school drummer. And I feel like Metal, I feel like Lars rather was uh, like kind of the first wave of like a modern metal drummer. Yeah, I would say that. I mean, it looks like Nico's just hanging out, having a great time, and Lars is like killing himself. <laughs> um, but all right, so going away from the drums, we have obviously Let's go. bass. I mean, bass? Steve Harris, one of the greatest metal basses of all time. It's, I think this is a hard one, too, because that's this is the one area where Metallica has seen sort of uh, a, some turnover, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's a toughie because I know that Cliff Burton was like a virtuoso. Mm-hmm. Um, and Robert Trujillo is like this technical virtuoso master. And Jason Newstead could play the bass. Um, <laughs> well, the, you, it's it's interesting because it's three. They've had three bass players. I mean, not including uh, the very first person Bob, to bass for them, Ron McGovney. But like, oh, what about Bob Rock, who played on uh, In Anger? But he was never an actual member of the band. Oh well. Oh, so they play to just have a. So basically, Saint Anger was with studio musicians. Just checking. <laughs> Anyways, so I mean, they've had like three full-time bass players on record. You have Cliff Burden, who was a genius, who was a virtuoso, who was so influential to bass players around the world, who I think just brought metal bass to like a whole other level. You have Jason... Speaking of drummers, we forgot to mention Clive Burr. Oh, see, oh, so now you want to bring up old members. I, I forgot Clive Burr. Well, you're you bringing up all these old Burr, members. Huge influence on Lars. Uh Right. Lars does a run to the hills. Is Clive Burr? Lars does a lot of um, fills on the snare drum, and I feel like a lot of people are like, "Well, he has like a whole big drum set." 
well, he's a crappy drummer. He only focuses on the. St-. He does it intentionally because he said that um, the dr- the snare has such a heavy sound that it fills up the solo. He said he got that from Clyde Burr. Rest in peace. Clyde like Burr. a lot of uh, he would do a lot of snare fills, and Lars completely ripped him off for that. Well, I think we. I think Clive Burr just put me over the top. Good night. <laughs> Anyways. But you have uh, back to the bass players. So then you have Jason Newstead who comes yeah, along. Man. Completely different bass player than uh, Cliff Burden. Cliff Burden was, you know, all fingers. And Newstead was all pick. And I think his sound fit well with that era of Metallica where they were doing more uh, kind of straightforward metal, hard rock songs, you know. Um just sort of more simplistic, straightforward, traditional bass playing. But now they've sort of gone back to Robert Trujillo, who's like a funk player. So he's different in that regard, but similar to Bird in the sense where he's just letting the fingers fly and he's just kind of fits um, more into like that old school mentality, which is sort of fits into what Death Magnetic and Hardwire Self-Destruct was as a overall album. But as far as comparing them to Steve Harris, I think the difference is Steve Harris, his bass sound is such a huge part of Iron Maiden. Steve Harris is yeah, Iron like that's Maiden. his band, and that's very unique in metal. Where like you can say like the bass player, that's his band. Like he like started the band, yeah. he Kip writes Winger. a lot of the songs. The bassist, Kip Winger, Winger and Steve <laughs> Harris and Getty Lee. Good. Getty Lee's a good one. Those yeah. three. Is Kip Winger a bass player? Uh, yeah. But he's also the Dummy. singer, so it does not count. <laughs> Same thing with uh, Tom Araya from Slayer. No, that's true. Like, he's the bass player, but he's yeah. the vocalist too, obviously. So it's I feel like that's a little bit different, you know, than rather just being like the bass player. Yeah. He was... Um, I was like going to go off into Kip Winger. <laughs> <laughs> I, my favorite thing about Kip Winger... Was that Metallica threw darts at him in the when we recording the Black Album on their documentary, as seen in the Nothing Else Matters well, music video? <laughs> right, that's not because <laughs> if you look, um, 1986 to 1987, if you look at Alice Cooper, who's playing bass on those albums, Kip Winger, and then he broke off into his own band. That's I, right. I got to say to that. I <laughs> could care less about Kip Winger. <laughs> that's right. but i think you just to anybody listening to this who's like oh this guy's got some metal cred you just ruined it you just ruined it (laughs) no please i have a i have an amazing love of hair metal too it's kind of uncomfortable how much you love hair metal to be honest oh my god oh my lord we could do that we could do that for an hour another hour (laughs) We recorded six hours. Trick. In the fifth hour, we covered Trickster. <laughs> um, Give it to me, good game. Uh, Firehouse, yay or nay? <laughs> Look, um, it's weird because Steve Harris, again, he is that gallop. That he is an extension of the drums. Yeah. Um, but there's so many cool <clears throat> bass hooks that he plays. I mean, he's. He can, I think, I feel like he constructs most of the Maiden yeah. songs. He writes most of the made of Maiden songs. Um, he's 
He's 61 and he still looks like a, he's, he plays soccer. He has beautiful rock star he's hair. A beautiful rock and, star um, daughter. Yes, yes. We, we had yeah, to, we had we had to, to sit, sit through that. Through that yeah. Um, yeah. Right. He, um, he's got a cool nickname, Ari, because they short Harris and they're British, so they don't say H's. <laughs> um, so I would probably say that Cliff Burton loves Steve Harris and Steve Harris thinks Cliff Burton was a good bass player. That's just my guess. Um, Robert Trujillo loves Steve Harris and Steve Harris thinks that, um, that, that, that young, young man is a good bass player. Hmm. And Jason Newstead owned a bass. <laughs> Leave Jason so. alone. Um, I, <laughs> I've I always loved him that, you know, for people who are not that close to Iron Man in their music, I think they do not realize really the role that Steve Harris plays in that band. I think it's sort of similar to the role Geezer Butler played in Black Sabbath because Geezer Butler yep. wrote a lot of those songs and he actually wrote a lot of the melodies and the lyrics that Ozzy Osbourne's singing. And people assume that a lot of them... Is it, didn't Geezer Butler write every lyric? Most of them, if not all of them. Yeah. And the melody... Like, so, like, well, I should not say the melodies. I think Ozzy brought like a lot of the melody actually to the table, but it's like the a lot of the lyric writing, a lot of the arrangement was done by Geezer Butler and people not really in the know have no clue. They assume that it came from Ozzy as since he's the singer and since he went on and had, you know, the solo career that he's had and stuff, but that's not at all the case. And I feel like Steve Harris and Geezer Butler sort of had similar roles where unless you really are in the know about that band, you do not really realize what they brought to the band as a whole. And I feel like the Metallica's had, three amazing bass players, including one who was a genius and helped kind of form their sound and educate them about music. But they've shown that they can bounce back with another bass player. You know, like it's not a signature part of their sound necessarily. A great bass player will add to their sound like Burden did, like Trujillo did. (laughs) Poor Jason. But... (laughs) Jason did (laughs) <laughs> he, he bought all the he had the books on tab but they um but you know like if if robert he left good. the band today i'd be sad to see him go because he's a phenomenal bass player and i think he fits in with the band really well and he's great he has a great stage presence but i'm not going to be worried or losing sleep because i know they're going to find another great bass player to come in and fill that role and that and the bass player's never been in like a big part of the songwriting. It's always been Hatfield and Elric with Kirk doing, you know, a good chunk of stuff also. But it's like we said before, it's Hatfield and Elric steering that ship. But with Maiden. Yeah. I mean, they could do a whole album without bass. <laughs> and call it Injustice for All and some millions of albums. Yeah. yeah. Um, but they had. Uh, but, you know, with Steve Harris, he's really the one steering that ship a lot of times, I think. I think maybe less so maybe in recent years because I feel like everybody sort of stepped up and done more songwriting and stuff. But um, but that's still his baby. Yeah, but there would still, be like, no... Maiden's still his baby. Like, yeah, if, as long as Steve Harris is alive, Iron Maiden will be a band. If the if their whole band right. died in Flight 666 tonight, but Steve Harris survived, <laughs> he would... Uh, he would rebound with another Iron Maiden in a few weeks. You'd you know? figure it out. 
Hopefully with Blaze Bailey. Um, <laughs> oh, and guess who will be at the concert? You, both of us, and me, and your brother, and exactly, and Dave and Green. Green. We'd all be there. Yeah. Um, yeah, there'd be no Iron Man without Steve Harris. So whether that is means who's a better bass player or what's more important to the band, um, I don't know. But I'm going to vote with Steve Harris, and you can put your mouth on my genitals. <laughs> you heard it here first. My cousin watched that. <laughs> so that would be a good blackmail for uh, Easter. <laughs> I love that you think you don't want my, the rest of our family. You think that I don't care. You, oh, you think that I would get upset that you told the rest of the family I asked you to fillet. They would look at you and go, yeah, of course he would say that. He's an idiot. So then, all right, so we've, I'll say it in front of them. Easter. I'll say, Brandon, remember when you tried to blackmail me because I asked you to blow me, to have, to have mouth sex with me? Is this a is but, it, uh, explicit you know what, Actually, this is truthfully what would happen. You would say that, and they say- <laughs> No one would hear go, it. Nobody would hear it, but then they'd go, they'd, they would hear you say Metallica podcast, and be like, oh, wait, he has a Metallica podcast? And then all the adults in the family are like, oh- I know nothing about Metallica, but good for you. I should listen to that. <laughs> and then it becomes like that awkward. The only person that would hear it is yeah, Joey. It becomes like that awkward family moment where like they yeah. want to support you, but you really don't want their support. You know, it's just, it's like when my parents used to come see my band perform, like I don't really want you there, but like, I know you want to be there, but only because I'm your son, not because you enjoy anything that I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we talked about drumming. We talked about uh, bass. We have still singing and uh, guitars to cover. Let's do the guitars. Oh, real we can quick. save singing to last. Let's do the guitars. Guitars. Real quick. I mean, obviously, I think got I think us outnumbered in Metallica. I include me in the <laughs> part of the band now. <laughs> they got us outnumbered. I said. I think that um, Metallica's guitar. Guitaring is like really something something they're known for, and I think that Iron Maiden is underrated. Okay, I think that's could be a fair assumption. I feel, I feel like um, again, unless people are in the know, Hetfield is a very underrated guitarist. When in actuality, yeah. I think he is the or definitely one of the greatest rhythm guitarists in the history of metal, hard rock, even rock music, like the whole umbrella of rock music. Um, right. And it's like, like for the most, I mean, Kirk is definitely the lead guitarist where Maiden, it's almost like they have three guitarists who just trade off. Right. I mean, it was always, it was growing up for me, it was always Dave, Dave Murray and Adrian Smith. Then they had Yannick and now with all three of them, I feel like it's still mostly Adrian Smith and Dave Murray with Yannick playing. Yannick runs around and does his own thing in live. If you ever watch him, he just, <laughs> he's just all over the place. And I think he's like the oldest one, but he acts like the youngest right. one. Um, and he does, you know, he has his things, especially for the band, the albums that he was on originally. Yeah. Um, and with the newer albums, they, they have it broken up into three parts, but he's like, to me, he'll, he'll kind of freelance, and go all over the place where uh, Adrian Smith plays exactly what is on the album as much as he can. And Dave Murray's pretty much there as well. Um, 
but they're, I don't know, they're very, they're, it's, it's tough because all of them can probably do everything that everyone else can do, I'm right. guessing. Yeah. So, so it might be a draw. I mean, maybe, I mean, I don't know. I've never seen them try to do thrash. Yeah. You know, the speed I think, stuff. I mean, it's a different, again, it's a different style. Like you see Heffield playing, he's all down picking, you know, he, like, I feel like not that Maiden does not have a signature guitar sound, but I feel like they, like they have a signature sound overall, obviously they sound like Maiden. But I feel yeah. like Metallica has more of a signature guitar sound. Like you hear Heffield play, you hear Hammett play, and it's more instantly recognizable. But maybe that's just me too, because you know they're my favorite band, so right. I'm you know very well versed in what their guitars sound like. You know, it's the exact same thing. We know right. what it sounds like. No one we hear. So I think let's transition out to the last thing: vocals, singing. Oh. Okay. I win. Go away. <laughs> so, I, I mean, Bruce Dickinson, one of the greatest vocalists in the history of metal, hands down. Technically, the technically end. he is a superior singer to James Hetfield. Like he, Bruce Dickinson sounds like a classically trained vocalist. James Hetfield does yeah. not sound like a classically trained vocalist. Right. Um, I think I mm-hmm. would give points to Hetfield in the sense that. He has a very signature voice. Again, I keep using that word signature, but like his voice is easily I mean, identifiable. I, it's very, it's been ripped off uh, probably just as much as like Eddie Vedder has been ripped off by like modern rock bands. Um, and I feel like. You wouldn't say Bruce, you say Bruce isn't easily I recognizable. Think he is. But I feel like when you hear, like you mentioned like power metal bands, like I feel like he, he's, falls into that style but like if i hear like a power metal band no, no. i'm not saying he he created he created also, that style my you could make an argument they that ronnie him. james dio did that boom Shut up. mic Shut drop mic drop do you hear that silence that was like <laughs> the nuclear bomb going off just silencing you uh lemmy I don't know. Let me. There you go. James is let me. You're just know. naming people now. You're just <laughs> naming names. <laughs> I think. I think power metal has a signature sound that, and a lot of it comes from Bruce Dickinson. But I feel like he's not the sole creator of that. Where I feel like half feels like every time you hear a yeah, whoa, like all those like whoa, yeah, like yeah. oh, that's like that feels like when. And I'm not saying like I like I hate Godsmack, but like. When you hear Sully Erna from Godsmack go, like you think, oh, James Hetfield's ripoff, you know, or when you hear any other uh, modern rock band do it, I I feel like it's just more, it's like when uh, Creed came up and then you're like, oh, he's trying to be Eddie Vedder, you know, it's just like that kind of thing. It's just easily duplicated and you just can't duplicate the air raid siren, (laughs) who's also a pilot. I also feel like, too, like Hetfield's can, like, uh, like you mentioned before, Metallica can, can like just sit down and do like acoustic sets, you know. And I feel like yeah. it. Like, I've have have you ever heard Megadeth do an acoustic set? Yes. Uh, yeah, me too. It's hard. It's horrible. <laughs> it, it, it it's about what I would imagine Slayer would sound like if Slayer ever was dumb enough to attempt it. 
But like Metallica can get away with it, I think partly because it's some some of it's the songs themselves, but part of it too is Heffield singing, like his voice easily translates. He's a good voice. I'm not gonna, you know, he has a he's he's a fine voice. He's fine. <laughs> but I say this as somebody who recognizes Bruce Dickinson as one of my favorite vocals of all time. And as somebody who thinks he is one of the greatest vocalists in the history of the genre. That's right. And let's not forget, he's singing these songs live while running around like a madman. Well, that is true. Like he, he, he sounds fantastic live. And I, I'm not sure how he does it with the show he puts on at his age. Like, I feel like, it, like Axl Rose is another vocalist that I really admire. And I saw uh, the Guns N' Roses reunion, and he's back to sounding like Axl Rose. But there was a definite period of time. Like, I don't know if you remember when they made their first comeback, or, like the MTV Video Music Awards. Like, oh, yeah. And like, he was like winded by the second verse. And I was like, oh, he was all, this is sad. He had his dreadlocks. Yeah. I was like, this is sad. This is bad. Like, uh, it, was, it, it was horrible to see. But like, I would never see that from Bruce Dickinson. I was, I was more focused on Buckethead that night. Bucket is a, you know, what's funny is that that lineup of GNR, I know this is not, they're not a, what the band we're supposed to be talking about, but yeah, whatever. Um, the funny thing is about that lineup of GNR is that like everybody's like, it's not Guns N' Roses. And you're right, it's not. And it was way cooler seeing Axel's and, Axel and Slash together again, like when I saw him in the reunion tour and all that stuff. But like the, that actual line, yeah, you weren't invited. Nobody likes you. No. So, but the actual. That's remarkably <laughs> true. But uh, the actual lineup of musicians that Axel Rose put into play uh, on that, like, the initial like Chinese democracy run was a much like on paper, technically like oh, yeah. musicians, like brain was that- on drums, bucketheads like on guitar, like just amazing technical was it, musicians. Was it like DJ Ashba or whatever? I think he was in there at some point. He, I'm not sure if he was there. He was in at some point. And he's like a, he's in Nikki Six. They've had a lot of different got a, got a, players now, but good. Yeah. All right. So see, you know what's funny? I'm sorry, but you know what's funny is that the guy who's whoever the the other guitarist is, he looks a lot like Gil, like uh, friggin' um, Izzy. Yeah. Like you know, he just he looks enough like Izzy that he he, he just you know he can fit. Yeah. I do wish that uh, it was really cool seeing Axel with Slash and with Duff McKagan. I do wish they would work something out with Izzy or and at least like get like Matt Storm on board for drums. Like I know Steven Adler yeah. is like kind of a mess and whatever this that situation is, but it'd be nice to just see like the full the full lineup. Trust me, I'll take Gilby Clark, man. Even that would be like kind of cool, you know, like just. But I mean, trust me, or Buckethead, Axel and Slash and Duff together was phenomenal but it would be cool seeing you know the couple others join but anyways that so, wraps Bru- up so episode Bruce. one of gnr cast <laughs> so final verdict iron maiden is um obviously a much more underappreciated and far um superior band thank you guys for listening to metallica cast. Whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, i'm you brandon said, you you said metallica wins in popularity metallica wins in influence you said musicianship tied. I didn't say 
Well, let's say most important to me is, is most important to me is singing. So and um, and hooks. So uh, songwriting, Iron Maiden. Hooks, Iron Maiden. Vocals, Iron Maiden. Co- live concert, Iron Maiden. Uh, oh wow, they could put it in a larger stadium. Big deal. Okay. Guess what? If I take a mug out of my out of my um, cabinet and I take a shit in it, it's the same shit that goes in the bigger bowl. What's the difference? It's the same thing. So you put Metallica and Grey Woods, it's the same thing. Put Iron Maiden in the stadium, they'd rock it out. Would they fill it? Probably not, but I'd be there. And you'd be there too, Dickie. Because you know why you'd be there? Because you can get to Iron Maiden concerts. They're much more affordable. Because Maybe Iron Maiden people want the tickets. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. I don't, I don't, you know, I don't. I'm not, I don't go see Justin Bieber. Okay. I'm not into pop bands. You are. It's cool. It's all right. Uh, all right. All right. Well, this was fun. I'm over it now. Give me fuel. Give me fire. Give me that which I desire. And with that, we conclude this very long, but very fun conversation that I had with my cousin, Mike, the host of Maiden Fan Podcast. Please follow them on Twitter at Maiden Podcast. Like I said at the start of this episode, join the Metallicast militia. Join the army. Let's take over the world. Follow me on Twitter at Metallicast Pod. Follow me on Instagram now, also at Metallicast Pod. Search Metallicast Pod on Facebook. Let me invite you to the Metallicast Militia Facebook group and For those of you who have been listening all along since episode one, you know that I usually like to end each episode with a cover of a Metallica song. Well, in episode four, the conclusion of part one of Made in Metallica, I did something a little bit different. I played a brief clip of a live jam that Metallica did on a couple Maiden songs. And this time around, I'm going to do something slightly different as well. So I found this video on YouTube. It is by the vocalist of a metal band called Parasyche, or Parasyche, P-A-R-A-S-Y-C-H-E. Apparently they are a thrash progressive metal band from Chile, and as a unique way to promote their band, the lead singer did this video where he samples Iron Maiden songs and Metallica songs, but he does a voice swap. So he'll sing an Iron Maiden song doing an impression of James Heffield and then sing a Metallica song doing an impression of Bruce Dickinson. It is a fun little video. He has others out there where he does other metal bands including Metallica Megadeth Voice Swap 1 um, not had a chance to check that out yet but you know I will one of these days when I go down the YouTube rabbit hole but with that said I hope you enjoy this till next time ladies and gentlemen metal up your ass yeah Have to see what someone wanted me. Six, six.